Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss entertainment news and review movies, trailers, TV shows. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest episode of The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4, titled The Gathering Storm. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the 1999 U.S. Regional Pokemon Card Champion, Emmett. Yeah, it's impressive what you can do at seven years old. I never went back after. You know, you peaked. What can you say? Yeah. You know? Thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> that was see, we're, we're starting with the insults today. Okay. Listen, man, those were the glory days for me, too. Okay. Like, I you think took that a really positive time. moment in my life, and then you said, yeah, it was all downhill after that, wasn't it, pal? I mean, like, what else? What other accomplishment is there besides, <laughs> like, the, the Pokemon Kart Tournament Championship there? You know, I've never, uh, I'm willing to admit this and share something, you know, personal on the pod. I've, uh, I've never beaten the, f- the four bosses. Really? The elite four of the, of the, yeah, we're talking, we're talking the video games here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Damn. Okay. No, not in real life, not real life Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a really vulnerable moment for you. I'm a, I'm th- I've always you gotten sharing. there and then I'm like, I just don't have the time to do this where i just keep healing off against them yeah i i, I can kind of sympathize with that because i feel like i haven't done or hmm, I, I feel there was one set of games where i didn't bother to complete the whole thing i'm, I'm trying to struggling to remember which one it was but well what do you uh, even do after it like if you went in there without having catch caught all 150 did you really beat the game well, there's there's an after game segment most of the time. Like you'll get to go and you know battle your rival, or I think the newer games Oops. your your rival keeps leveling up until close to like level eighty. Well, I don't something. play the new stuff. All right, I was a card collector <laughs> to the age of seven, and then I played you know blue and yellow and leaf green. A turquoise was my favorite one. I think no. That, yeah. Once you stop going with primary colors, I was out. <laughs> there was no turquoise. But... <laughs> <laughs> See, can't even question you on that. I want to have a Pokemon-centered episode one of these days. We should, we should, we should bring up, you know, we should bring up some of the classic stuff to talk about. It'll be a quick <laughs> half-hour one, I think. <laughs> Speaking of things not going quickly, let's get through this intro and talk some news. <laughs> you like that segue? I do. Yeah, smooth. <laughs> Kick us off. All right, this one came out today, uh, Wednesday, the whatever, 19th. Uh, Amazon dropped us a nice little teaser, title card intro of their new Lord of the Rings series coming out in September later this year. And they're calling it Rings of Power. You hyped or you very hyped? I am hyped. Oh, just hyped? Just, just, you know, whelmingly hyped. (laughs) No, man, I'm so excited for this one. They keep saying this is the most expensive TV show that they've <laughs> ever pitched. I know. It's also like nobody really is talking about this. Well, I feel like the Lord of the Rings fan base is kind of niche, right, at the moment. Because I feel like it's the fantasy realm of things has been a little bit like cluttered the last couple of years. Well, it's also just like we haven't really seen anything in this world for a while. Like we had the uh, the Hobbit, not trilogy because it was four, but. Uh, we had that, and that kind of, you know, not killed the franchise, but it certainly didn't 
revive it or or get more fans out of that i think yeah well you know not a lot of people were fans of the of the story and and i think they might have stretched themselves out a little too thin by you know it's it's one book that they stretched out into into four movies and it's not even like that thick of a book right but it did hit around the time where everybody was kind of doing that you know like the last hunger games they're like oh part one part two and i'm like you know like most of those movies felt really disjointed because of that but i'm excited that they're even revisiting you know the the lord of the rings um world and this is supposed to be a prequel right set like a couple hundred years i think i think think rings of power is supposed to be like the founding of the rings right the beginning of everything i believe so i know they had two series originally pitched to amazon i know one of them was canceled or just i don't know well i i also think that we're in a world right now where people are like show crazy as opposed to movie crazy so i think this is probably going to you know, it's going to do pretty well. I hope so. I re- I hope this is what kind of brings the attention back to Lord of the Rings, because I, I think there's a lot more they can do with the world. I know Tolkien had a lot of plans with, uh, you know, from, from like a literature standpoint. There's a couple of different works that I don't think have been adapted. They're not necessarily books, but I think he wrote, it was either like short stories or what do they call it? The, the um, not quite novel length chapter Novellas? stories. I, I guess I don't really know. <laughs> I'm out of my element here, but I know that there was Stick other the supplemental screens. stuff. Right, <laughs> there was supplemental content for Lord of the Rings that I don't think has been adapted, and I feel like they could probably, you know, do something really cool and creative with those. Yeah, a novella is a narrative prose fiction whose length is shorter than that of most novels, but longer than most short stories. Well, look who's been, you know, look, look Where who's did educated I get that on one their from, novellas. Huh? Where did that come from? <laughs> flashbacks to college <laughs> yeah with my business major degree I, I learned a lot about novellas I, I i should have learned a lot about novellas i just wasn't paying attention <laughs> in film school <laughs> oh, oh boy <laughs> what else we got what, what else we got in the news the moon knight trailer came out earlier this week um i, I want to say it was monday right of this week we're recording january 19th so uh yeah that came out i think it was um it wasn't a surprise i think they had said before that they were going to drop something yeah they did a a teaser to the trailer right and this is um interesting because i think you know you and i have talked plenty about this off off camera (laughs) off you know off the show are you on camera (laughs) wait are we doing a podcast (laughs) listen um so i forgot to tell you (laughs) Are we three, posting these to YouTube now? There's a three camera setup in your place. You know, <laughs> I, I just thought I'd surprise you. I didn't want it to sound invasive, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> you know, we have talked about this off camera, off mic, off booth uh, a lot. And I, we have we have very different opinions. Yeah. Off, off booth, did you say? Or off booth? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm booth. not off booth. Just so play. Uh, okay, okay. What are your thoughts about this show, though? Which I just found out it's a show as well. I was really excited for Moon Knight to get something. Um, he's an oh. interesting character, but this it's it's one of those um <laughs> Moon Knight, I feel like is is a 
property that I think has potential. I just I don't know exactly how they would go about um, telling this story properly. I think a show like the show format is probably the best approach here for sure. But he's not a well-known character. He's you like, say that for every character though. A show format would be perfect for this person. Yeah, it's perfect for anyone because no, it would be enough everybody. time to develop. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's out here walking around in some toilet paper with a sleeping disorder. This is as boring as uh as Hawkeye. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think this is where we disagree quite a bit, it looks like. But yeah, no, I I I thought Oscar Isaac was a good choice for to play uh, Mark Spector. Um, and then they have him doing a stupid accent, though. That's part of the the gig, though. So he in the comics, he's got like. Oh, seven did he sound like that eight. on paper? Yes, he did. <laughs> you, that sounds when, ridiculous. You know that, right? As a, as an eleven year old, when I was reading these comics, I pictured <laughs> the exact Oscar Isaac voice with the bad <laughs> British accent. It's exactly what I pictured. Um. No, but he he's supposed to have like seven or eight different um, personalities. He's got a oh, personality so it, disorder, so each of them believes that meet, it's split meets uh meets the mummy. Sure. Yes. So <laughs> we'll go I, I was out on both those movies. Why would I be in on this? Because it's 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 split meets the mummy meets the MCU. It doesn't save it. Okay, the MCU is also the house to like. The word dark world. We don't talk about such blasphemous. <laughs> well, I am. Podcast, okay? I think it's about time we talk about it. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're going to talk Thor, we got to talk Last Jedi at some point. Okay. Yeah, just, we'll, just to be yeah fair. we'll do the worst ofs. Great. The movies that almost ruined the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I think what, what kind of excited me the most about this, um, about the show is like the possibilities of what they could bring in from marvel comics that we haven't seen yet touched on i i know we're, we're you know kevin feige i think said this but we're supposed to be diving in you know head first into the horror almost like um thriller angle i guess of, of the marvel universe through blade uh but this is kind of in that same uh vein because moon knight is very much like punisher in the comics, in the sense that it's, he's a very now don't, bloody... Don't say that, just because I just finished watching Daredevil, and now I would like Daredevil and Punisher. Don't no, relate this... this guy to somebody cool, okay? You don't even know this character, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's he... the point that I'm making. In all seriousness, Yeah, there's probably a thousand Marvel characters you could you know, give an opportunity to. Sure. Why go for somebody who's like down in the like 700s? I mean, I wouldn't put him down at the 700s, per se. You're saying this guy's like a B-lister, maybe? No, there's no way. No, he's a D-lister. Then why are we giving him the time of day? <laughs> because at some point, so were the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you know, they at, should at, not at, have gotten that either. So was Iron Man, though, in the no, same vein. You don't say yeah. that about Iron Man. It's true, though. Before <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's hard for us to kind of remember that, but like, most of the Avengers characters were were definitely not A or B listers. They the, talking those about characters... the end, Avengers is like the A of literally the A. They put the A in A list. Yeah, but for now because of the recognizability they get from those. From are you those, say, Are um, you telling me the comics like nobody cared about? Yes, the Avengers. 
what I'm saying is if you go back to th- that era of time when when you know the superhero genre started blowing up, it wasn't it was very clear cut who was the face of Marvel and who was the face of DC. And the rest of the characters were definitely not in the B or or C list as prominently as they are today. Nobody really like Iron Man, I think it was the most recognizable besides Captain America. Uh, from the Avengers, but they weren't, they definitely weren't anywhere near B-lister status, especially in the comics. Like, talk to anybody who... But how are you going to say that they're the most recognizable, but not a top-tier... Out of the batch, because they weren't. Like, if you you were to go back to the 90s and think Marvel, you would think Spider-Man. You would think Ghost Rider. You would think Blade. Why? Because those characters were the ones being pushed to the forefront at that time. I'll tell you right now, nobody thought Ghost Rider... Except for Nicolas Cage, okay? <laughs> well, like if you go back and look at comic book sales and all that of that era, like th- those were the ones that were getting pushed out. They were the ones that were selling the most. The Avengers as a franchise wasn't doing so well at that point. They, it didn't have a lot of recognizability. Um, I was just reading that book of that the history of the Mar- of Marvel Studios, where you know Kevin Feige makes mention of the fact that. You know, nobody really wanted to invest in Marvel Studios at the beginning because most of these characters, like nobody really knew anything besides, you know, Captain America was on that iconic cover punching Hitler. But besides that, there wasn't really much other content um, for these investors to digest and kind of get the idea of the potential. So, yes, <laughs> you know, we have today's um, characters being A-listers and B-listers, but that's only because of the movies. All right, well, I, I don't want this guy to get the show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you mean, because it, it sounds, you know, for us right now, I think given the universe that we've built, I'm excited that Marvel's looking at these characters as potentials, because I think any character you can build out and make a great show out of, right? We've yet to see the show to really, you know, say, oh, it's great, or, or, or you know, it's not quite I, as good. I as can it. say it's bad. Sure. <laughs> I have that. I have that ability. That's my superhero. <laughs> no, if you're gonna be pushing out like ten new things a year with your big, you know, MCU reveals, I I physically cannot be like these are all exciting. I'm all in on all of these. Like you gotta prioritize and deprioritize. And this one's low on the list. That's why it's on Disney Plus, though. You know, like. <clears throat> It's in a similar vein because when when you look at what's coming up on Disney Plus, we have Echo coming out as a show, right? A spinoff of Hawkeye. You know, we right. talked about it briefly, but like I'm not really looking forward to that that show. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> um, we have She-Hulk coming out, which again I feel like that's probably the more recognizable out of the bunch of the Disney Plus shows that they're coming out with. Uh, Moon Knight, which is the subject of, <laughs> of this conversation. Um, we have Miss Marvel coming out. So, although I, I wonder where Miss Marvel falls because I feel like there's a lot of younger generation folks that were really attached to that character from a comic book standpoint. So, th- my my point is, <laughs> most of these shows coming out on Disney Plus are going to be those types of characters, the ones that nobody really cares all that much about yet. Or some that there is potential for that could turn into something. Like, I've never seen people look at the character of Monica Rambeau in the comics and be like, oh, yeah, she should definitely get even, like, her own comic book. Um, you know, that hasn't been the subject of conversation until she showed up on WandaVision. Well, and now, all of a sudden, 
People I wouldn't just... spin that conversation after seeing her on WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? I feel like there is potential for her, though. Like you, you, you've seen no. these. You, yeah, but like for for example, that was like, that was a yes no question, and you couldn't say yes. No, like I, I I personally wouldn't be like, oh, let's get her her own movie. But I feel like we can definitely do more with her character, especially if they're pushing the angle of diversity a lot in in Marvel now. Like I feel like it is important to showcase some of those characters. Well, and, that's that's a different point, not the not the diversity, but the yes, that is obviously important. But I'm talking about like the appearances. That's totally different. Like, sure, she could appear in someone else's show or movie like i'm sure they could introduce moon knight in that way i just feel like we've already yeah. started introducing other characters like why not just like flesh those ones out more instead of a brand new character that you don't know if they're interesting to a crowd give them a whole series that's the risk that they're taking with these shows which i think is kind of a double-edged sword to your to your point like i feel like on one hand it could turn out to be like an excellent show and people will latch onto it or it can't like I, I know, um, you know, so similar discussion to this, but like before, uh, you know, since you just finished watching Daredevil, um, there was discussions of giving Daredevil another shot in at the movies. Right. But because of that ben reputation, yeah, because of the Ben Affleck movie, you you know, there was always going to be that big stain on it. And even now, if you go out to like a mainstream uh, audience and say, hey, come check out Daredevil, they're going to go back and say, oh, the Ben Affleck thing? Like, that wasn't, you know, that was pretty trash. Um, but the audience that just got reintroduced to him through this Netflix show are probably on board with the character because now they've seen the potential for it, right? Well, you saw the reaction of the crowd when he appeared for a minute in Spider-Man's movie. Like, right. I think they might be ready. Like you said, yeah. So I guess I could see that maybe, but that's a different journey that that character had to go through than getting us ready with like a Moon Knight in a show. It's, and then it's, still the, it's all it's all different. I don't know. This is just feel, not one for me. I just feel like the Disney Plus stuff isn't necessarily required viewing so far. Like we, we've done like I think you could make the argument that it might be like Loki might be. Um, WandaVision might be. I don't know. But like, until we see like some of those storylines that are um made it's, yeah, here, it, it's not yet movies. it you're saying it might be because that's coming from a place of like hoping that it they follow up on that more but i, I feel like loki's yeah. only going to follow up on itself in its second season wandavision probably right. will have something to do with um doctor strange's movie well, we know Loki because it's been confirmed that Kang is going to be the villain for Ant-Man 2. So, like, that's an example of a crossover from something you started in the show and are now picking it up at some point, right, in, in the movies. WandaVision, I think, feels like, you know, I might be wrong, obviously, but it feels like it's just, like, supplemental content to elevate this character in preparation to get you ready for her appearance in Doctor Strange 2. Right. Same with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I feel like the next time we see him, he's going to be Captain America in the movies. But if you saw Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's just more of an enriching experience because you got to see his journey. I feel like the more interesting show would have been like a spinoff from that show of that Valentina character, Val. Yeah, because you're starting to thread her stuff in. Yeah, since she like made the appearance in Black Widow, like I don't know, you've dropped a couple of her. Easter egg moments 
that you could form a whole show around that where she's like putting together her group of whatever they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I wonder where where they're going with that because I know like there's been talks about the Thunderbolts and all that just because they keep highlighting some of those characters in these movies. Like Marvel always has that plan. I feel like, you know, from the interviews that we've seen from Kevin Feige on the Disney Plus stuff, it's it sounds to me like he's using it as a base for what's ultimately going to net out to something, right? And um, I know he's been very, like, talkative recently, especially after Eternals, about uh, Blade and the, the horror element of, of, um, of the Marvel Universe. And I don't know if you caught this, but, like, um, the actor who plays... Um, the guy with the crossbow on Walking Dead. I totally forget, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, he's from Boondock Saints also. Uh, Norman Reedus. Apparently, he had been like talking to fans or something that's you know uh, through his Instagram or something, and he was basically teasing that he'd been in talks with Marvel over Ghost Rider. And then there's been an interview with Kevin Feige where he's saying like, "Oh yeah, we definitely do want to do Ghost Rider at some point." Uh, t- between that and Moon Knight and and Blade, it, you know, it sounds like that f- same formula they went with Avengers is what they're trying to set up for these like future movies. It's like I, I feel like they're trying to replicate that same approach. And to your point, if these characters catch on, then great. If they don't, you might be setting yourself up for, you know, a bit of a fail. But that's not the point I want to make. I want to make the point of you've already introduced characters that people are somewhat interested in from movies and other shows that like you should just continue those and then use that moment to introduce moon knight and then if he gets well received then carry on with him on his own show like it's uh, it's weird what that they like introduce people and then you form these bonds and attachments to them and then they won't get featured for a while if ever i'm trying to like think through some of those characters though that would qualify in that range like who are you thinking of i'm thinking of yeah like i said with val and like if you put in um like that other captain america what was his name john john walker or whatever yeah if you put in him with yelena that's going to be an interesting series maybe take that time then to introduce a different member of whatever crew they're assembling they are coming to a point though where i feel like there's a lot of characters so like regardless you know somebody's gonna get the short end of the stick here well pull in from like movies too like shang chi did really well pull in like his sister and like what she's doing with her training camp or whatever sure but i also feel like that's too soon also no you gotta strike while the iron's hot man sure but how do you know the iron is going to be hot when you're because like my point is for example moon knight's been shooting for about a year and a half like that project's been in production for that long. Um, a year and a half ago, they just wrapped up Shang-Chi. How do you know that it's going to be received really well and there's something worth, you know, spinning off there? Like it's, just, I feel like it's a. Well, that's it's the a, problem that they've created that they've had. They feel like they have the need to just constantly churn out content where it's like you can't even have a week to breathe between these series. That's true. on them for creating a, a culture like that. Like, I'm pretty sure we would be fine if we were like, oh, man, can't wait for like next summer for that show. Like, I'm willing to give it more time, you know, like. Yeah, no, I I get it. But I also feel like you have to factor in like production schedules and the need for it, too, because like it's not just going to be like, 
a quick turnaround and just be like, oh, well, I, we think this is going to do good, so we're going to you know put the money on it. The only unique situation where I see that, I'm not sure why it happened, was this Echo spinoff from Hawkeye, because they immediately you know, spun her off to her own show, even though they hadn't seen the crowd reaction um, to it. Uh, the only other thing that I saw was uh, Spider-Man passing Black Panther on all-time domestic bo- box office for the fourth spot. And it's number four worldwide, too, apparently, at $1.6 billion, which is crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Do we think it's it'll cross $2 billion? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a harder sell, especially if it's not going to premiere in China. Uh, if it's not going going to be released in movie theaters in China, which it, it's, you know, the longer this takes, the more the less likely I feel like that that's going to be to happen, right? Um, it it probably would have had a shot if people weren't as timid with uh, COVID. I feel like if, the yeah. COVID like didn't really impact like opening weekend, but you definitely saw that following weekends where people were like no nah, i don't really need to go i'll i can go like a, another weekend or something like that so it cuts down on them seeing it multiple times which is the key to passing those records yeah i read somewhere that it's about 20 percent of the total box office is people going back and watching it again a second time like that's usually yeah. how that goes and yeah you're right like the omicron spikes have been have definitely devastated the um, you know, the theater intake of, of folks just, just over here locally. I was reading this article where it was saying that, um, you know, the, the movie theater attendance post Christmas week was down by like 70%, which is understandable because of the spike, right? But like in a typical holiday season, like you would see that um, flow of guests into theaters pretty steady through the second week of the new year. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even with all that, that's crazy that it passed Black Panther on the list. It is, yeah. We'll see where it nets out. I, you know, I, I I'm hoping to go see it one more time <laughs> before it leaves theaters. But I don't know. We'll see. It's it's meant to release on uh, Blu-ray and digital. I think at the end of February, so I might just end up waiting. Hmm. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I call me how I would. <laughs> All right, my last piece of news here, uh, and I just wanted to get my quick thoughts on this out because I, I managed to watch the first two episodes of Peacemaker. Um, and I know you gave the first episode a negative review on, on our last uh, pod, but um, I, I didn't think it was, you know, all that great, but I don't think it was the worst thing ever. Uh, that being said, you know, we had a whole conversation about John Cena and whether he's leading man material on the show. I feel like where the show kind of shines the most is those supplementary characters, like those uh, supporting characters. Um, Because I feel like most of the cast of characters, I seem to sympathize with more than I do with Peacemaker, which, again, if you're into, you know, the tone of the Suicide Squad movie that came out recently, I think this is right up your alley. Uh, But if you're not, this isn't going to change your mind at all. I think the show works well enough as it is, but... Yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit of an acquired taste, really. Yeah, I just think it's too attached to the style of Suicide Squad, which absolutely did not work for me. So those supplemented characters, I bet they could be interesting if this wasn't tied to Suicide Squad, but them just being born out of that, it's like, 
I don't care about them. <laughs> it's hard to really care about the DCEU also because it feels like every time it wants to like like this for example it's an expansion of the suicide squad movie but yet we're supposed to like ignore the Zack snyder setup of that world like it just like tonally it feels all over the place and like like if there's no you know nobody managing the um the tone or the, the overall direction so it's it's tough to really get into this because even if i do end up liking peacemaker right through throughout the end of the show um is do I have any confidence that Warner Brothers is going to follow up on this? I don't know. They seem to cancel and approve stuff on a whim. Right. But that's we'll interesting that you thought it was good enough to watch the second episode. <laughs> I had to give it another shot. I was like, all right, episode one was kind of weak for me. Um, it's a little too corny, honestly, at, at points. But um, I, I, I did, you know, just like as, as a DC fan, it was nice to see some of those other um, characters that I don't think would ever really make it anywhere else. Um, and James Gunn has like a knack for going into the very, very obscure pits of characters. And then we just talked about Moon Knight and all that. But like this is like real, true bottom of the barrel um, characters here. Mm. That's all I got for the news. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the reason we're here. The good stuff. All right. And the bad and the ugly. Oh boy. Uh Book of Boba. The Gathering Storm. Tom, it's a very slow gathering storm. Slow gather. It's still gathering. What <laughs> I guess the I guess I know where your thoughts are going. Uh do you want to give us your general yeah. thoughts on the episode? Yeah, I, I thought this was a step up from last week's episode. Um, which I still think, you know, last week's was probably the weakest out of the bunch. I, I still hold that opinion there. Um, I feel like this isn't this isn't quite as pay, nicely paced as the Mandalorian has been because I feel like, you know, and and I, I could be wrong about this, but like if I recall my thoughts back to Mandalorian season two, we really only had a problem with episode two because we felt like it kind of dipped frog a little bit. Yeah, like the pace was just dropped out of nowhere but then it quickly kind of picked itself back up and you know it was kind of like every episode seemed to be building on that overall story um and for me i think that this episode finally by the end of the episode gets us to a point where it feels like we're ramping up to it but in that case why not combine last week's with this week's you know because like it seems like we're still building up to something and we're just kind of stuck there right now. Um, I overall enjoyed the episode. I thought it was, you know, again, substantially better than last week's. Um, but I do feel like the pace was a little too slow for this to be episode four of an eight season arc. That was seven. It could be seven and I'm totally wrong. What <laughs> do you know? know? <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I don't remember you saying that last week's episode was your least favorite, but okay. Uh, I thought I liked last week's, and I agree that this week's is the same pace of slowness that makes you think, like, why did you do this twice in a row? So I agree that they could have combined these two in some way. Um, it's just, I think this is a classic case of, like, what was your anticipation of this show? And then what are you actually getting? You know, where it's like, I thought this was going to be more about like continuing on Boba's story about uh, 
what he does after he leaves the Mandalorian at the end of that season two. Because he does just like disappear after he gets what he needs and he feels like he paid his debt. He's out. And I feel like that's where it should have continued. And they're slowly continuing that. But it's just like the split between that continuation of a present day timeline and the like flashback memories of how he got to where he was is wrong. Like that ratio is like 80, maybe 75% in the past and like 20% in the present day. And I feel like that needed to be flipped. Or enriched a little bit more. Because I feel like that's like once we lost the Tuscans last episode, like the substance of that, of those flashback scenes were kind of gone for me. Yeah, well, exactly. I feel like we mostly got all the flashbacks we needed last week. And then this one was like at least 80% to 20% working in the past. And it's like, okay, but now you're going to have to rush through this present timeline, assuming that we've caught up, like the past is caught up to the present. And you're not going to give us more flashbacks in the next episode. And we're still not really quite set as to who the antagonist is. And, and I have a feeling we're not going to get that reveal until the end of this season. Like, you're led to believe it's the Pikes. And I know I made this speculation in episode two, like, the Pikes are behind everything. And I still stand by that. But who in the Pike syndicate? You know, right. Like, <laughs> it's just give... like a, a name of a group. It's not even like a, somebody's leading them. Right, like, give me somebody that I can say, all right, this guy versus Boba. You know, because you had that in the sen- in the sense with Moff Gideon and, and, and Mando, right, in both seasons. Yep. Um, you know, Moff Gideon didn't make himself known until the end of season one, but you got the sense that the Empire was the prime enemy until you gave it a face. Um, and over here, it, it seems like we're not quite sure who the enemy is. We think it's the Pikes. It might be this Nikto gang, but it can't be because they got blown up, you know. Hey, the, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're moving over. I guess we are. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into Spaleys. Let's get into Spoilers because I feel like we, you know. Can we do Spaleys, though? We, we could do Spaleys as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk tonight. It feels like I keep tripping on my words here. I got you backed into a quarter on the moonlight conver- moon night conversation. <laughs> oh man, but let, let, let's let's get into the spoilers. On so let's position. talk let's talk flashback because that was the primary part of this episode. It was like the first three quarters of this whole thing was flashbacks of like rescuing Fennec and their whole like uh, rescue mission of of the ship. Like, what what were your thoughts on that while you're watching it? I'm glad that they explained the Fennec Shan Boba stuff, right? But I, um, and you know, honestly, and tell me if you feel the same way, because I feel like we might be on the same wavelength on this. But while I enjoyed giving purpose to those, what do they call them? The mods, right? The people that are modifying their bodies with cybernetic yeah, yeah. parts. Um, while I'm glad we gave them purpose, right? Because like it, it kind of explained, you know, where he got the upgrades for for Fennec. And how he saved their life. I also feel like this could have been substituted with a couple of lines of dialogue between Fennec and, and Boba. Instead of giving us an entire episode focused on how he finds Fennec, essentially nurses her back to health. And then they both go on this grand quest to liberate uh, Boba Fett's uh, starship from Jabba's palace. Yeah, I certainly think it's 
again, it goes back to that like biker crew that he uh, makes his employees. Where are these people on Tatooine? Like they don't belong on this planet. They're like hipsters, technicians. It makes no sense. So I don't know if that really works for me with the story wise. Uh, but I agree. It was way too slow. Like it took him so long to ride over there. And then also like he takes a lot of credit for saving her, her life when all he did was, you know, he was essentially just her Uber driver. I mean, you know, he didn't charge her. <laughs> so uh, He put her in a life debt. <laughs> not necessarily. He, he, he doesn't put her in a life debt. He actually gives her so many ways out. After the, it, she, like, does this one mission for him, which is worth a lot. Yeah, but they do it, and he, he, he does ask her, like, hey, where do you want me to drop you off? And she decides to stick around. As an Uber driver would ask. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you sure you just want to go here? I could take you back home <laughs> afterwards. I'll wait for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's normally how that goes. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like that scene... Add it on like what? Probably like four or five minutes that didn't need to be there. Yeah, maybe, maybe like two or three. Yeah, and I, I, I still can't get over the mods, honestly. Like, I, like I, I feel like I, they were tolerable in this episode without the very colorful, you know, gadgetry and, uh, you know, rides. I guess that they had, but. Uh, their design just feels so. And you know what? Scratch that. It's not the design. It's the way they talk. It doesn't feel Star Warsy. What's wrong with the way they talk? <laughs> it just you, you go with it. Like I, I feel like they're bringing. There's certain things that take you out of a of an experience, right? Like you and I kind of talked about this, but the casino scene in Last Jedi, it looked like something out of a Bond film. Like a true casino, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, fantastic for a real casino. But this is Star Wars. You know, like, yeah, I think should... of, I think of Tatooine. I think of like Jabba the Hutt. I think of Tusken Raiders and I think of, you know, moisture farmers like Luke. I don't think, right. I don't think of these like hipster kids. Scavengers, you know, like yeah. people who who are living in sand huts and just, you know, like I, I remember Phantom Menace where. It was supposed to be more of a thriving society than it is in the original trilogy. And yet this is taking place in the original trilogy era. And these people feel like, like also, why are they modifying their body parts? at the same time? <laughs> Yeah, that's where, a whole nother conversation. Where are they getting these cybernetic parts? Like I was under the impression that most of Tatooine was under poverty, right? Like where would they even find these things? Right. And it, it just feels weird that like, like this doesn't feel like our original trilogy. It it just no. is kind of morphed because even stuff with like Boba Fett, like why is he constantly introducing himself? That's not something like the OG Boba Fett would be doing. Well, the OG Boba Fett barely spoke. So, so. Yeah, exactly. I want my guy to be, you know, tall, dark, and quiet. He's he's <laughs> just silent the whole time. <laughs> I, I think it's the outfits too. Like the, the guy, there's this one guy that looks like he's cosplaying as like Doctor Who or something with the long jacket. And some of them wore these like anime-looking jackets in in a desert planet. <laughs> it just, you know, when you look at the prequel trilogy, 
it gives you this like new millennium kind of like shiny new feel even the ships right and then the original trilogy feels like a lived in used almost kind of beat up and scruffy kind of vibe or universe right and mandalorian played off of that well it, it tried to kind of blend both styles together a little bit and it worked uh but here it's it almost seems like and I, th- I think that's why this group particularly bothers me so much is like the characters I, I don't feel add that much substance to the plot and they're kind of you know they, they kind of take me out of the experience a bit yeah that's that's exactly right it should be post like run like used lived in world feel and it should also be like evident that you're in this like power vacuum of there's no more empire what's going to happen next right like i would have preferred they introduced kanja club in here instead of these guys <laughs> give me some tests with each you know like bring him into the, into the plot <laughs> but yeah it just feels like this isn't the star wars that we know uh and that goes back to like the expectations of what we were hoping for for this show and it it's not that they're not delivering in a way that's disappointing it's just it's just not exactly what we were hoping for. Like I was hoping for a real continuation of both that story. And I do appreciate the, you know, the flashback bits. Cause we need to know how did he get out of the Sarlacc pit? How did he rescue Fennec? Like these are things we want to know, but they're just taking so long to tell them. Yeah. And I feel like it was, you know, if they were going to start with the flashback stuff, then they should have just made the show an entire flashback up until a certain point and then pivot completely to modern. Um, because like trying to tell the both stories concurrently is not like if you're not pacing it well it's it's a slow burn yeah and the other thing too is like they spent so much time developing this relationship with the tuscan raiders that when he sees them like burned and murdered there should have been a bigger emotional connection where he's now like out seeking vengeance but he I mean, in this episode, he gets that vengeance immediately, and it's, like, not satisfying. No, and you also, he kind of brushes off the line where I think he tells Fennec, like, oh, these uh, biker gang, the Nikto biker gang, like, eliminated the Tuscans, and she's like, yeah, I don't buy it. Right, right. That, like, that should have been more where it's, like, there there has to be something bigger behind that. They wouldn't have the manpower to do it. Like, it's, it's dig into that. It's the damn pikes, I'm telling you. <laughs> Which it definitely is, but it's like, why brush over that if you're trying to, you know, if you're saying that she has the brains and the brawn that you want on your team, why would you not use the brains portion in that conversation? Because she's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Boba Fett is a sexist. <laughs> well, you're the one who said it. Boba Fett didn't say it. Listen, I... I <laughs> I, I do want to clarify one thing. Like I feel like I still <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sexist, I swear. No, um I I do think that like I, I've enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed episode one, I've enjoyed episode two. Episode three is where it started wavering for me. And I feel like this episode is a step up, but like we can't have two slow paced episodes like this <laughs> in a row. Like I feel like it it puts the show in a in, in a really clunky spot where Again, like you only have seven, seven or eight episodes to play with here. You have to make each one of them count because otherwise, like one of even one episode being off 
um, you know, off from the others in terms of pacing will slow you down quite a bit and lessen that anticipation for the next one. So yeah, for me, I totally I, agree. I'm still enjoying the show. Like I still feel like I'm yeah. getting a good amount of content out of it. They're just not pacing this off well. And I'm sure the next three episodes are going to, you know, blow us away or well, maybe, like, maybe not blow us away, but they'll, they'll be, a, a, you know, miles better than these. Um, but I just wish that they were using the time more wisely. I feel like that's my biggest issue with the show. I, yeah, I completely agree. I just, I don't feel like this is going to be a show I want to go back and like rewatch, at least at this current pace, you know? I think we'll probably have like three or four episodes that will be re- very rewatchable. Cause like, I don't know about you, but like, I went back and rewatched Mando season two in, in anticipation of this show. And I skipped over episode two <laughs> of season two. Um, the rest of it I, I didn't, right? But there's I just feel like the yeah, you're right. Like this this is one of those shows that I was hoping had a little bit more of a rewatchability factor. And hopefully we will now that you know his back to tank sessions are done. Um if the if Fennec is no wait, the, his uh, protocol droid is to be re- uh, believed he's fully healed now. He's got both eyebrows back. Yeah, I think that there was the, obvi- the obvious link between the two, right? So it's the Bakta tank is what drives his dreams and his memories. And if you're telling us that he's done with being in that tank, then I would assume that he's done with the flashbacks. I did really enjoy the, you know, g- getting away from the flashback stuff. Um, I, I well, well, but actually, before we leave, I did enjoy the the decimation of of the sarlacc i thought thought he was was going back just for like revenge i didn't think he was like searching for his armor yeah i i thought it was a little confusing because i thought he was clearly awake when he got knocked out by the jawas but then again anybody who's ever suffered a concussion will tell you you probably don't recall those couple minutes but right right before you get knocked out um speaking from experience (laughs) of your time in the sarlacc pit Yes, you know the the dune scenes of Mexico, man. I tell you, <laughs> um, but no, like I I do I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed you know the little um the actual firefight to get you know the the uh, Boba Fett starship out of out of the out of the hangar. Yeah, um, I guess nobody's referring to it as a, as a slave one anymore. It's been officially uh, retconned, and now it's just. Uh, I forget what he, I think he calls it the model of the of the ship, right? The fire a fire spray or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just call it what it is, man. Yeah, I mean I don't know. <laughs> it's not a great name. It's not, you know, sure, but whatever. <laughs> it's Boba Fett's starship. Nor is what he does as soon as he has it, where it's just mass murder of a biker gang, which he didn't really get confirmation if they were the ones behind it or not. Yeah, it's too, no take back seats on this one. Judge, jury, and executioner. And who needs to be a jury when you can just pull the trigger? Well, this is like an example of that ruthless nature that I, I guess I think people were anticipating for to have to see Boba in, in this show. And there you go. There's like a glimpse of it. But um, I do feel like we're supposed to get the idea that he's kind of moved on from that type of persona. Um, but yeah, like we had some really cool sequences with this, with uh, with Boba Fett's ship. Uh, now, though, the modern, the present day uh, story, I feel like 
caught my attention the most. And I kept looking at the time and being like, I hope it's not over yet because I feel like we're on a really good track right now and I don't want it to end. And then it ended. <laughs> yeah, it's because we finally get to get to like the good stuff, the present day timeline and move the story forward and not like look in the rear view mirror anymore. And then they cut it here. And that, that's what made this episode like such a tease. But I mean, you have the, uh, the meeting of the three families, which is like probably the most interesting part of this episode is that this is the last thing we saw in the trailer that we hadn't seen yet. So now we're totally flying blind. Um, and it's it's this is like the political thriller part that I like. It's just like figuring out who do you trust, who is telling the truth, who's lying, who's willing to play along, who's going like to just go with the highest bidder. And I feel like Boba Fett has been not clever enough to be the leader, right? Like he's been a step behind on everything. Like he doesn't know that the huts were coming. He doesn't know that the mayor's corrupt. Uh he didn't see the the fight coming to the Tuscans. Like, I don't know if he has the wit to be the the dynamo. The daimyo? Whatever, man. <laughs> the dynamo. Dominoes. Yeah, no. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely lacked a little bit in the you know leadership uh, skills uh, department, especially if he wants to be the daimyo for the for the region. That said, though, I feel like we did take. You know, he had more of a, I guess, like mob boss ish feel in this episode when dealing with the families, especially like setting the dinner table <laughs> right under on top of the uh, rancor pit. I thought that was a nice touch to surprise him with you know, the rancor starting to kind of show his claws out from the from the little uh, openings there. But yeah, no, that is he is good at like the let me intimidate you and flex power like as a bounty hunter can do but i don't think he has the skill to like fully know who to trust or not right i feel like he's kind of like the you know the snake that's been um defanged a bit uh, or at least he's trying to be right because he's trying to like turn over a new leaf at least that we got that from the dialogue and the flashbacks there but I, I have a feeling we're going to see Boba come back to a little bit of his ruthlessness by the end of the series. Yeah, I could see him, you know, being forced to have a choice there. But I guess just as far as like predictions go, what do we think is going to happen now? Because now it seems like he's taking it on himself that he has to be the one who fights off anyone else who's coming to take claim power in the area. And he's basically just had them agree to step back and not interfere. Where do you see this going? Well, the end uh, where he tells Fennec he's got plenty of credits but needs muscle. Like we, we saw him hire um, Chrysanthemum, right? So Chrysanthemum is now part of his his um, his muscle there. Uh, but as soon as he tells Fennec that he has the credits, he just doesn't have the muscle. We hear the Mandalorian theme kind of pop up. Um, so it's been rumored that Din was going to show up on the show. Uh, I, you know, it, it would be pretty simple, right? Because like the majority of it would just be the stunt double, and then you had you can ADR Pedro Pascal's voice later, right? Um, so I, I have to assume uh, we will see Din Djarin appear on this on the next episode or 
before the finale. Um, I'm hoping, I'm predicting, I guess, uh, that we'll see Bosk and some of the other classic bounty hunters, because those are really the only people that Boba can rely on, right? Yeah, it's not so much the connection that Boba has, more so as, like, who does Fennec know? Because she's the one who says, like, if you give me the money, I can get you a crew. So it doesn't have to be that, like, it's someone that Boba's worked with in the past. I mean, I would love to see um, Boss come back as well. But I, I feel like this is an opening to, like, other deep-cut bounty hunters that either were, like, only in the Clone Wars animated series or might have just appeared, like, in comics or something like that. I would hope so. I'll I'll still make the prediction that I do feel Cad Bane's going to show up before the end of the season. Um, I would love that. that. One thing that I would like to see, not necessarily predicting, but I feel like um, this this is my personal wish. (laughs) Um, If if they do bring in uh, Din Djarin and and, you know the the Mandalorian, I do hope that it's Bo-Katan and Din along with the other Mandos that we saw last season or in in the mandalorian because i feel like an interesting thing to do here would be hey help me you know claim my criminal underworld throne and i'll help you retake mandalore especially if we want to keep having this synergy between the shows in this universe i feel like that would be a pretty cool angle to to go through essentially tying in the book of boba fett with mandalorian season three because you know from our predictions of before, I, I do feel like the Mandalorian franchise is heading in the Liberate Mandalore camp. Yeah, I don't know if Bo-Katan got along with Boba Fett enough to come help him out. But I would like to see this be like, you know, based on the conversation that Boba had with Fennec in the flashback of he just wants to protect their kind, basically bounty hunters. I would like to see him assemble an army of bounty hunters. Be like, if we just stick together, we're stronger than like the individual. That would be cool. And then you get a betrayal in there because bounty hunters, you know, like they work for the highest. Obviously. (laughs) But I could see this being like, you know, him creating his own guild kind of. I would hope so. I feel like there's really a lot of interesting angles to go with with Boba Fett, and you know, I'm just I'm curious to see what they do with it. I just hope that we are building to something pretty grand because the show definitely needs you know to pick up the pace a bit. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, but uh, I don't think there's any like bold predictions to make other than I'll I'll hop on the Cad Bane Bane one. I still think Kira's going to show up. Just just you watch. She'll show up. That would be really cool, too. But it seems like it might be a stretch if uh, if they're moving at this rate. I don't know. Amelia Clark still needs a job. Come on. Somebody, somebody toss her something. Yeah, she needs a job. Sure. I just want to see her on screen. It's basically what this is amounting to. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we can. Uh, we've successfully wasted a full what hour here, so just about it there. If you think we missed something, which we probably did, we probably missed a couple of things. <laughs> um, you know, send us a quick note at behind the fourth wall podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening. <laughs>
Thanks for listening.